0: Church Podcast, good, morning. good to see everybody out there today. Hey, we are in our second week of a Charlie Brown Christmas, and I gotta tell you, this is probably it's it's in my top five easy of Christmas movies that I watch. Um, first reason is it's not on the Hallmark Christmas movie channel network. Um all the men are like, yes, I know, I know, I know. I'm looking right now at Cindy mom. I know I'm in trouble. She's gonna be like, that's the worst sermon you've ever preached. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, man, I, I love a Charlie Brown Christmas movie because it's like 22 minutes long, first off. Um, I can pay attention that long. And so I watch this movie once or twice or maybe three times, uh, uh, Christmas season, because I love it so much. And um, today we're gonna be talking about my least favorite character in all of every Charlie Brown movie because I grew up and some of you that are like my age around 40 years old you grew up where like there was more than just the Charlie Brown Christmas movie and the Thanksgiving movie they went to France you know and got lost in the Chateau and you know there's all kinds of like Charlie Brown movies but um my least my least my least favorite character in all of the Charlie Brown movies is Lucy and her last name. You may not know it. Anybody know it? Anybody? Lucy? Lucy's last name? Full name? Anyone? Van Pelt. Lucy Van Pelt. Look, you learned something coming to church today, and it wasn't even in the Hebrew. Um, Lucy, Lucy Van Pelt. And here's why I don't like Lucy. Lucy's just mean, She's a bully. She calls Charlie Brown a blockhead all the time, right? She threatened, I ought to slug you. And she's like, she's like this mean, mean girl. Um, and, and Charles Schultz, the, the creator of Peanuts, said this. It says, Lucy comes from the dark part of my soul. <laughs> It's true, it's true. He says, Lucy comes from that part of me that's capable of saying mean and sarcastic things, which is not a good trait to have. So Lucy gives me a good outlet. Um, Lucy comes from the dark part of my soul, crazy. And, and, and this isn't in my notes, I'm just gonna, because I don't know how far I'm gonna get into this message. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna get past my first point because it's just really good. Um, but can I just tell you? This is this is just free advice to you this morning. Um, Lucy was a mean busybody, right? She was in everybody's business. She was mean to everybody. All her relationships were based on fear me, fear me, fear me. And if that's you, stop it. Stop being a mean busybody. A bully of a busybody. Stop being a blame shifter and saying, well, somebody else made me this. No, 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 no. You have decided to become that. Stop being a mean busybody and be nice. As Chloe used to say, my youngest, when she was tiny, and she would point like this, she said, do nice, okay? And some of you, I'm pointing at all of you out there. This holiday season, Christmas season, somebody's going to drive you nuts. Somebody's not going to say thank you quick enough for that gift. Somebody's going to ask you for a gift receipt to your face right after they open it. Did you get a gift receipt? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be that relative that rubs you the wrong way every time. Do nice, okay? Do nice, Do nice. Don't turn in to Lucy. But here's what I remember about Lucy the most is Lucy would always hold a football, right? And she would get Charlie Brown. She would trick Charlie Brown into kicking the football. Just just try. I promise I'm going to hold it this time. And she'd be down there. And for some reason, dummy Charlie Brown would try to kick it. And she'd pull the football away and Charlie Brown would go flying and ah, you know, and hit and be like, why did I do this? Here, here's the deal, is that nobody trusted Lucy. Nobody, Lucy did not create a cultural, a culture of trust, but she created a culture of suspicion and doubt. And that's what I want to talk to us about today. Is how do you and I, create a culture of trust in our relationships? How do we become a person that other people trust? That, how do we become that person that, that maybe other people trust us, but we're not very good at trusting other people? How do we become that person? How do we create that culture of trust instead of a culture of suspicion and a culture of doubt. And the first thing I would tell you is this, is if we're going to create a culture of trust around us and keep from being a Lucy, is that we have got to not allow past relationships to dictate present relationships. You and I can't allow past relationships, and I would even, I would even venture out to say this, we can't allow past things to dictate present things. We can't allow past relationships, past hurts, to dictate present relationships. We can't let the past dictate our present and our future. And Jesus Jesus mapped this out perfectly well. He showed us how not to let a moment jade you. All of us remember Judas. And Judas gets a bad rap. Judas, um, everybody. When we talk about Judas, there's this part, and you're like, just like, man, that guy is sorry. You know, I, I don't like Judas. Judas is a loser. He's the one that betrayed Jesus, and we have this bad taste in our mouth. Nobody names their kid Judas, right? I've never met a person named Judas. Oh, what's your name, Judas? Oh, okay, you know, nobody names their kid Judas. People name their kids John, Mark. Peter, but nobody names him Judas. And and Judas gets a bad rap, but Judas was elected. He was chosen by Jesus to be one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 apostles, to be in the inner circle of Jesus. And he was in charge of the finances. It wasn't like Judas was like doubting Thomas. Nobody really knew what Thomas did, right? You're like, oh yeah, Thomas, that's that guy. Or Bartholomew. You know, like, oh yeah, Bartholomew. Wait, what no, no. Judas was in charge of the money. He was the money man. So Jesus must have trusted him an awful lot. Yet you and I know how the story ends with Judas. And even at the Last Supper, Jesus puts Judas right next to him. How do we know this? Because Judas dipped his dipped his bread in the cup that Jesus was serving. It was a place of honor. Jesus was still extending grace and mercy to Judas even though he knew what was coming and yet Jesus didn't allow the Judas moment to jade all the future moments because there would be another disciple that really if you look at it, man, he betrayed and he denied Jesus maybe even more gruesomely than what Judas did. Peter, He denied even, at least Judas didn't deny even knowing him and cursing and leaving. I I don't know the man, but but that was Peter. But but Jesus didn't allow what happened to him in the past. He, He didn't allow what happened with one of his disciples, one of his bros, one of his buddies, one of his 12 to jade the rest of his future relationships because Peter needed that restoration that Jesus brought to his life. And if you and I aren't careful, we cannot allow what has happened to us in the past to dictate and to control what happens and how we conduct ourselves in the present and in the future. Some of us, the the, the thing that has hurt us in the past that we bring into the present is church. Church. I've met so many people who have been hurt by affected in a negative way. You you know people sit people come up to me all the time, man. Man they've just been hurt by church, they've been jaded by church, they've been burned by church, and you some of you you came in and this was you the first month and a half. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for that guy on stage to 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 mess up, to screw up, to be somebody. Yeah, yeah, what, whatever. And you just sat there like this in your chair. Don't act like you didn't you did. It's okay. And you're like, mm, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna laugh at that guy. I'm not gonna laugh at his little movements right there. That's not now, no, no, show me what you really are. Because you've been hurt in the past by church. Reason you don't wanna get involved in a small group, a connect group, is because you've been hurt by people. And you left the church because people talked about you, didn't include you. You didn't. You weren't part of the cool kids at the church. I got news for you at Foundation Church. There's no cool people. We're all nerds in this place. We understand that everybody's a nerd in the first place. So you might as well just show your true colors. I see your true colors shining through. That's. I mean, just we're just who we are. And, and, And but you want to bring in what's happened in the past, and it's dictating your involvement in the present. And what God has for you now, in your church family, in your church life, and God hasn't called you to live life like this. No. He's called you to not allow the Judas moments to jade the present and the future moments. For some of you, it's relationships. Some of us, we're in our second marriage right now you got cheated on, you got verbally abused, maybe physically abused, I I don't know. Some of you, you've been hurt and, and you weren't even married but you were engaged and you got hurt and it has sent you in a tailspin or you just were in relationships or friendships or whatever it may be and it has controlled and it's dictating how you operate in your present relationship. And let me tell you, if you're on your second marriage, you can't allow your past relationship to affect this relationship right now. Or it's dysfunctional from its beginning. You, you can't allow that to happen. Well, but, but this happened, that is what happened to you. But you need to learn from the past, but you can't take it everywhere you go with you. Learn from it but don't take it with you wherever you go. Some of you, some of us in this place, we've got to let it go. Now, coming back from Kenya, our flight got canceled um, in Nairobi and so we had to get to the airport super early. We flew out of, um, it's really awesome, we flew off of a uh, dirt runway in a prop jet. Like eight to 12 people can fit on this plane and there's zebras on the runway that they had to like buzz off. Like, I'm not kidding. Like they literally buzzed the zebras off the runway and you can see like elephants and giraffes like in the distance. It's just, mime. It's, it's so cool. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's great. No, it was an awesome trip too. Like, um, but in the process of getting to Nairobi, they canceled our flight. And it took us around, we spent about 40 hours traveling to get back home. We were in the airport or traveling about 40 hours. Um, And in the process of that, I start getting illustrations, right? That's how my mind thinks. That's how my mind works. And I started looking at people, and I had this pillow. And I had a pillow wherever I went to sleep on the plane. Um, Going there, I left my pillow in my check bag. And coming back, I lost my pillow. So I don't know why I brought a pillow, because it didn't get used on the plane either trip. And I was like, no! But I, I noticed people carrying their luggage around, right? You carry luggage around. If you go traveling on an airport, this is what you do. And and why do we carry luggage? Why do we carry on with this? Because we don't want to pay the outrageous fee to check a bag, first off, unless you're flying southwest because bags fly for free. Um, But don't hate me, American Airlines workers. I'm just saying it's true. It's okay, Daryl. But we we take our bags um, so we don't have to pay for bags to be checked but the other thing is is if you've ever lost luggage if your luggage has ever been lost it scars you deeply right it does, because you're like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to have to buy underwear. I'm going to have to buy clothes. You don't know when you're going to get it back. And so you're like, from that day and that point on, you're like, I'm going to be in control of me. I'm going to be in control of me. I'm going to make sure my stuff goes everywhere I go. And so here's what grosses me out, okay? I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, a, not not a huge one, not like Howie Mandel, where I'm like, no, I'm not going to shake your hand, fist bump, um, but... I see guys take these things into the restroom. Now guys, let's be honest, we have an aiming problem. It's true, just, I'm just being real right now. Some of you are like, did he just say that? I did. I've been in the airport for 40 hours, man. Why would you take this into a bathroom? I I don't, I don't, that's gross. I'm like, no. Here's the deal. I see so many people that there was a lady on on our domestic flight from D.C. to to Chicago that wasn't going to sit down because she was concerned about her carry-on and other people were touching it, right? So you check your carry-on, you put it in the thing, and then when somebody else messes with your stuff, you're like, you can't touch that, that's my carry-on. Right, we get a little bit like, don't you? you, I I got here early. I paid for the early check-in for the to up the boarding group so that I could put my bag where I wanted to put it. Don't put it in another bin. It's where I put it for a reason. Right? We get we get like very particular about who touches our bag, where it goes, what it does, what people are because it's our stuff. Don't touch our stuff. We want to be in control of it all. Because here's what checking a bag does. It makes you no longer in control of it. It makes you have to trust somebody else that they are going to take care of it and take it from you and get it where it needs to go. And can I tell you, some of us, we've been carrying around our pain and our hurt and our past everywhere we go. We go into new relationships, and we're like, yeah, this is a new relationship, thank you, God, but, but this, is what, this is what happened in the past. This is what happened in my last relationship. This is what happened with my last connect group. This is what happened at my last church. This is what happened in my last marriage. This is what happened in my last group of friends, and we're carrying it around, and we were never called to carry it around in the first place, and Jesus is saying, you know what, check it. Check your bag, because I am more capable of taking your baggage and taking your load than you are. It says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Some of you, you are dying for rest. You are exhausted, you are worn out because you are carrying everything from your past and it's dictating and it's affecting everything in your present and it's hampering everything from happening in your future. He's saying, man, hand it over. Stop carrying it. Everywhere you go, realize I'm capable I'm capable this morning of handling your baggage. It's not going to get lost. It's not going to get crushed. It's not going to get broken. But I'm able to take your baggage and put it and get it where it needs to go. Verse 30 says this, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Here's what I'm convinced of. Is that there's a lot of us, we are carrying things around that God has never intended for us to carry in the first place. There's some of you, you came into church and you're looking for rest, you're looking for relief, you're looking for help, because this is you, you're just carrying it around because you refuse to check it with someone who is capable of doing immeasurably above what you could ever ask, think, or imagine because you've been hurt in the past. And so you don't want to hand it off. You, you don't want to give it away because if you give it away, what, what if it doesn't get, what if everything doesn't happen like I, I, he said it would happen? What if the burden isn't light? What if, what, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. And so you keep carrying it and you keep getting tired and you keep getting worn out and you keep getting burned out. And your relationships are strained, and you're here this morning and you're just tired. Can I tell you this morning listen to me, hear me, hand it over to Him, check it in with the Lord? Because He's not just capable, He's willing. He's not just willing, he knows more according to the word of God, which never changes. Psalms 33. He's more than capable, he's willing, he's able to enable your life to be lived out in a way that you never have to pick this up again. And to me, that's what I'm talking about. That's the life I want to live. It's a life that's not burdened down, a life that's not stressed out, a life where I can start trusting people and create a culture of trust of those people that I'm around instead of a culture of doubt, a culture of suspicion, because I'm allowing the past relationships and the past things that have happened to church and the past things that have happened at my job to affect my present situations and my future situations. No, 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 I'm handing it off so that I can experience God's best instead of what I'm trying to do on my own. Some of you this morning, you got, you got to hand it off. you got to let it Go and check it and give control over to to your savior, your father, Jesus Christ, who is capable to make it happen in a way that you could only dream of and you don't have to carry it anymore. The second thing I would tell you is this about creating a culture of trust is that you've gotta give people the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt, and this feeds right into our first one. Some of us in this place, (laughs) We don't we we do not give people the benefit of the doubt. We expect the worst, right? What, what's the saying? Uh, plan for the worst and hope for the best, right? And, and some of us we treat that in our relationships. We somebody said, and you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure you are. I've heard this before, right? And you're like, ah, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not biting, I'm not buying in. And you have a atmosphere and you've created a culture of suspicion. And doubt, instead of creating a culture of trust that gives people the benefit of the doubt. And here's what happens when we don't create a culture of giving people the benefit of the doubt, we become paranoid. We become suspicious. We become fearful and can I tell you, man, there is nothing consistent about being a fearful, suspicious, paranoid person. There, there's nothing consistent about that. It is, uh, I, I think Forrest Gump was onto something when he said, Life is like a box of chocolates, right? You guys remember it. And here's the scary thing about the box of chocolates now they come with this thing on the top, right? That tells you what's where. Right, where has this been in the '80s, in the early '90s? Where was this? Because my dad would give me one piece from a box of Russell Stovers, and man, you had to eat whatever you got. And if you got the orange cream filling one, if you like that, you're nasty. (laughs) Some of you are like, Steve. There it is. I knew he was going to hurt me. Um, (laughs) I'm just telling you the truth. That's orange and cream filling and chocolate doesn't go together. That's gross. We need to go eat and I'll show you good food anyways. Can I tell you, this is okay. This is all right. You know, box of chocolates, now we know what we're going to get. But can I tell you, that may work for food. That may be okay there. But when it comes to your life, if people don't know what they're going to get when they're around you, they'll stop coming around you. And that may hurt and that may sting, but there's not a culture of trust. Lucy, nobody knew what they were gonna get from Lucy Van Pelt, right? She was the mean one. She was the moody one. You insulted me. You hesitated. You didn't say it in the right tone. You texted me the wrong way. You know, you didn't. What did they mean by that text? That's not, that's not, and we read things into it, and people can't trust you because you have a, created a culture of doubt and suspicion instead of giving people the benefit of the doubt, and it says this in Second Timothy chapter one verse seven, out of the Amplified version. It says, "For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline." And I love this part: abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Abilities that result. And a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. If you're constantly suspicious of people, if you don't give them the the benefit of the doubt, your relationships are going to lack intimacy. Your your relationship with your kids, if you're constantly suspecting them, and, and, and hear me, I'm not telling parents, hear me. I'm not telling you to bury your head in the sand and ignore all the obvious signs, right? That's not this message. I'm a big believer that you get what you inspect instead of what you expect. But when your kids prove trustworthy, stop suspecting them all the time. Stop being paranoid. Some of you, you've been married 25 years and your spouse has done nothing but been loyal and shown you that, but you're still like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 26 is when you're gonna mess up, isn't it? right? Because we keep playing the what if game. And what if that train, that train of thinking, that mindset is not your friend? What if they don't say, what if they don't do what they said they would do? What, what, what if they're not telling me the truth? What if they are secretly doing this behind my back? What if they're talking about me. Can I tell you, that is not what what Paul is talking about. And the Bible is saying in 2 Timothy 1.7, that is not not resulting in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. If you are going to battle what if, you've got to battle it with what is. And you've got to balance it and you've got to battle the what if moments, the fearful moments, the things. Well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And you're fearful and you're paranoid and nobody wants to come around you because you're constantly wondering what's going to happen. And you've created this culture of doubt and suspicion instead of creating a culture of trust. You've got to base it, and you've got to ground it, and you've got to nail it to the ground with what is. What is true? What does the Word of God say about me? It says that he has not given me a spirit of fear and suspicion, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind that results in a calm, tender demeanor that is totally has a, a mind and a spirit that is at rest. Some of us in this place, man, you have got to come to this place because your relationships are suffering, because you're being the Lucy in the relationship, and you're creating and you're creating a culture of suspicion and doubt instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt. This morning, I, I want to close with this, as I was coming back home, um, I got to tell you, I, w- I was tired, um, 40 hours in the airport, I, I, I slept on one flight, and then I don't need a lot of sleep, um, but I was, whew, when I got home, I just felt like I was glazed, you know what I'm talking about, I felt my contacts were glued to my eyes at that point. And I was just like, <laughs> I was going to laugh at anything because I was just like delirious at that point. And I got home, and it was great to be home. And it took, me, it took me a couple of days. In fact, it took me until yesterday to really feel like, okay, I'm not in a cloud. My mind feels about as sharp as it's going to get. Um, <laughs> I'm here. Um, and this is as good as it gets. Some of you are like, oh, he's still you know, jet lag. No, I'm not. This is as good as it gets today. Um, but but it, it took a while. It it. it took some time for me to get rest. It took time for me to recover. And and I have the tendency, when I've been hurt and when I've been carrying stuff around, that okay God, I'm gonna gonna hand this over to you and I expect it to happen instantaneous. And you know what, that can happen. I, I absolutely believe it can happen, but many times, many times, it's a process. It's about picking up your cross daily and surrendering your burdens daily and checking it in with him daily. And not creating a culture of suspicion, but creating a culture of trust and giving people the benefit of the doubt daily, even though you've been hurt in the past. And some of you, you've come into this place and you're still dealing with hurt You're worn out, you're worn down because you've been carrying things around that you need to hand off. And this morning, I think this is a tipping point. I think this morning is a breakthrough morning for some of you in this place. And I know this isn't your necessarily, your your typical Christmas season message. But what I know about us and our society is that we are a society that we're carrying more and we're overwhelmed more than we've ever been in, 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 in history. And God came and Jesus came that you can have a life and have it to its abundance, have it to the full. Some of you are just trying to survive instead of thrive. And this morning, my prayer, my hope, is that you finally check in what you've been carrying around and that you would realize he's more capable of handling it and taking care of you than you are. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today, and I, man, God, I come before you, and wherever we are in life, wherever we're, wherever we're struggling at in life, God, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of us in this place that, God, we're just carrying things around. And Lord, we've been hurt in our past and we've allowed past relationships, we've allowed past things to dictate our present relationships and the present things. Lord, there's some of us in this place that Lord, we've been carrying things around not not for a day or for weeks but for years, for months. And you're just saying, come to me, come on. Bring it to me this morning. Bring it to me. Because I'm more than capable of handling your burden. I'm more than handling, more than able to handle the yoke that you're carrying. And, and I'm not just gonna take it from you, but I'm gonna transfer my yoke. I'm gonna transfer my burden onto you, which is easy and light. And you tired and restless soul will find rest and joy, and strength, and peace. Because Lord, there's a lot of us that we're here today, and because of things that have happened in our past, it's created a culture of suspicion and doubt. We don't give people the benefit of the doubt. We're fearful of what if, what might happen. And as a result, man, we feel really, really alone. And Lord, it all goes back to things in our past that we haven't handed over to you. And so Lord, I pray this morning would be the morning we check it in with you. This morning would be the morning that we let it go and we surrender it to you. And Lord, there's a tipping point that happens in our life. There's a transformational moment that happens in our life that we're no longer trying to be strong enough, capable enough, uh, tough enough, but that we surrender it enough. Trust it all to you. Jesus, I pray, move. Move in us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around this morning. If you're here and you say, Justin, you know what, I'm here, and I, I, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you that chance. This morning you may be here and maybe you're just not where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus Christ and you need to recommit your life to him. When I count to three, would you just raise your hand right where you are? We're gonna lead you in a prayer that will change your life. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna call you out. But we believe God sees a hand and he changes a heart. Some of you, you're dying for a change and it starts with your relationship. Is it personal? Do you know him? Some of us, we know about him, but we don't know him. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you know him? And if not, man, let this be a morning that that changes. That's you. When I count to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? Yeah, there's one hand. There's two hands. There's three. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin. Yeah, there's four hands. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. I see in the back. There's five. Is there anyone else? Yeah, I see you there. Six. Anyone else? Say, Justin, that's me today. And I want to join these six hands that are lifted before we they in service today because there's a change that needs to happen in me. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, that I'm not where I'm supposed to be, and I don't know you like I want to. So Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I I turn from life as it is to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray.